and welcome back to the Screen Queens podcast where we talk about all things film with a focus on the women in them and the women who make them. Hello, it is good to be back. It's been a while, we've had a little hiatus. I feel like we have a lot of those, so thank you for bearing with us. We are two very busy ladies. We've also recently hit a thousand followers on Twitter, which is just amazing. So thank you to everyone that's followed us. And seeing as though we've had a little influx of new listeners, we thought we'd maybe catch up a bit, maybe reintroduce ourselves. So um, I'm Millicent. I'm Megan. <laughs> so how have you been, Meg? What have you been up to since our last episode? I've been good. I mean, I like forgot when our last episode was, which is, but I just like remind myself it was, I think it's the 23rd of July. Um, because, yeah, I mean, I feel like, yeah, we started off very ambitious. We were like, yeah, we're like a bi-monthly so podcast. Like, It was literally be, every two weeks. I mean, to be fair, I feel like we just had way less busy lives at that time. Because I was abroad mm. and you were, were you in, you in your gap years? Were you like, because you I hadn't started uni yet. Um, so we were just like, chilling, podcasting. And then we were like, oh, life like careers so yeah so things this year have been a little bit less to schedule but for good reasons because we've been doing lots of fun and exciting things um so yeah I finished uni this year um so our last episode this is our graduate so our last episode was actually just before my graduation um which is weird there is life before graduation and there is life isn't after. there like a graduation theme in America it's like dun, 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 dun. and I'll like put that in here isn't what that is just it? like the what national anthem? <laughs> Wait, no, it's, I mean, <laughs> it's not the national it? anthem, but I don't know. Is it only just... I don't know. Wait, Did that's the French national anthem? anthem, is it not? <laughs> Wait, wait, it's... I'm so sure that that's the French national anthem. I'm Googling it. Why is that in my head, thinking it's like the graduation song? Wait a sec, I'm going to... I'm listening to it right now, wait. Wait. I'm reading. It's literally the French national anthem. <laughs> oh it's the day God. of glory has arrived. Oh, I'm crying. Okay, um, right. Anyway, okay, so they don't play the French national anthem at your graduation. They did play the English national anthem at my graduation, which I was quite surprised How about. How the hell does that go? I was like, that's... I don't even know that one. Queen. I mean, I don't know the words. They made us stand up, and I was like, this is extremely patriotic, and I'm not sure I'm down oh, for it. Oh, no. But whatever, kings. Um, so, yeah, I finished uni. I graduated on the hottest day of the year. That was great. Um, (laughs) I was also at the time uh, doing an internship because I stayed in London over the summer because I was moving back home afterwards so I did an internship in um, film production on like PR so that was fun Uh, didn't you meet like the rock or I didn't meet the rock I worked on the um, which one was it the Hobson Shaw press junket but it was the European one so the rock was in Hawaii, unfortunately, but I did see the others. The audacity. <laughs> the audacity. He should have come to meet me specifically. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was really great. And then I moved home, which has so far been not too eventful because I was just kind of waiting for uh, the school year to start again. I, d- I didn't really feel like I'd had a summer until that point because I was working in London and stuff. But since I've been home, I've been quite chill. And I'm now starting a master's at the University of Manchester. So it's Freshers' Week this week, which I'm <laughs> not really partaking in because I am... <laughs> ancient well I'm not I mean literally there's people on my master's a lot older than me there's people with kids on my master's which is awesome but wow. yeah so I, I'm not quite I mean I say that like I partook in freshers the first time which I didn't I fully did not do I mean that. I did I went like I went I think I went on like a singular night out and was like that'll do me just fine dude I was so on brand during freshers I went to the silent disco and then to an outdoor screening of Greece and that's it <laughs> I think I went to like the film society things and like the dance society things but I didn't just go on like the, the zoo night out or like all this stuff at ministry oh, of sound God. anyway the pub crawl <laughs> yeah so I don't start officially until next week like lectures and stuff so I'm really looking forward to that um we go in specializing in feminist queer theory um, which if you listen to this podcast, to you know, it. is very much my brand. Um, <laughs> so I'm very excited to do that. And then that's obviously for the next year. So we'll see where I end up after that. And then you're going to get like a PhD and then you're going to be like the world's foremost 
gender professor in wearing tweed Thank and you. girls on tops t-shirt forever. Literally, your mind when we were at LFF and I was wearing that tweed jacket <laughs> and you were like, oh my god, you look like everyone's favourite lesbian film professor. And I was like, you just spoke my future into existence. <laughs> we go and get I those qualifications. Seed and I will see the harvest. <laughs> <laughs> I will credit it to you when I become... Uh, when I get a doctorate and Thank I you. become a have my inaugural lecture, I'll be like, "This is all <laughs> thanks to Milson Thomas. She made." When this you happen. write your first like big ass textbook, you can put with thanks on the first page. <laughs> yes, <laughs> started um, okay. here on the SQ podcast. Oh, incredible! So you're starting uni yes. again. I'm starting uni, but not again. I'm still there. <laughs> the um, same one. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going into second year. Um, I'm really excited. I just want my routine back. Yeah, that's how I feel right now. <laughs> I hate the summer. I feel like the summer is so glamorized. It's like, do whatever you want, like hang out, go to the beach, see your friends. Like, no, you just don't get out of your pajamas yeah. and you do absolutely nothing. That's me today. Um, blanket. But I've been like working at a pub trying to get out of my overdraft. I didn't get out of my overdraft, but I tried. It's the effort that counts. Um, exactly. <laughs> Credit me for trying. Um, so I'm really excited to go back to uni. Um, going, for those who don't know, I study film and publishing at Bath Spa. I really enjoy the publishing side of it and the film side of it, get best of both worlds and all that jazz. Um, what's new with me? Uh, I am going to Comic Con for the first time as press, which is very exciting. If you don't follow me on Twitter, you won't have seen that I've done a thread of my cosplay progress. That's right, ladies and gents. I have made a costume from scratch. Um, I'm going as Ray from The Force Awakens. I literally built a fucking staff. Like, I built that shit. It's so cool. It's so cool. You prepare to be, like, bombarded by photos in the next month or so. Um, Also, I don't know when I'm going to get this episode up. Hopefully, by the time this episode is up, it will be out. But if anyone is a fan of, like, comic book movies, uh, go to your local shop, pick up the newest issue of Sci-Fi Now magazine, because your gal has a massive multi-page feature in there on the Joker. And it is like my first big print thing. And I'm so excited. And I worked really hard on it. I got some interviews with like past Jokers, uh, people who've written the Joker, talking about like the origins and taking him from the comic books to the movies. So if that's your jam, please pick it up. I would love to hear your thoughts on it. So yeah, just uh, making moves. Literally making moves. So this episode, to coincide with September being directed by Women Month, we thought we would dive into some criminally underseen or obscure films made by women. And we're going to do our old school trailer breakdowns on two upcoming films made by women and just talk about what we're excited for in the future also. And I know that Megan went really like balls to the wall on the obscurity here because when she told (laughs) me her picks, I'd literally never heard of them. It's clear that she's the academic of the two of us, so why don't you get us started? Um, yes. So, actually, <laughs> the one that I'm starting with, I think, is the least obscure. I mean, they're not... Inc- mm-hmm. Like, I checked on Letterboxd, and, like, a fair few people that I follow have also seen them. But I'm hoping that... Just not me. Well, <laughs> just... Yeah. You're just slacking. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I'm hoping that at least some of you won't have seen them you might have heard of them but might not seen them so hopefully this is the encouragement that you need to go out and find them because obviously I mean our tagline is always that we talk about women in films but I feel like this month in particular uh we want to spotlight uh those films made by women um and yeah I tried to kind of pick ones that um two of them I saw through uni and one I saw at BFI Flair a few years ago so I, I tried to Thank you, Kings. Exactly. No, literally, Kings like hooked me up with the obscure films. But <laughs> I have checked where you can find them, so you can watch them. I'm not just like telling you all about this amazing film that you can never see because it exists on like one reel of film in she someone's archive. <laughs> Kings like killed a man to get hold of that film. <laughs> no, literally, some of them they were like, we've like, I don't know, some dealings went on to like get hold of this like obscure videotape or something, and I was just like. The dusty reel that they lock in the basement. But, yeah, so the first of these films, uh, which is on Netflix, so of any of them, it's the easiest to find, because if you have Netflix, it is free. Um, It's on UK (laughs) Netflix. I don't know about other Netflixes, but it is a Netflix original film, so I'm assuming that means that it's on all Netflixes, right? Yeah. Okay. So, that film is Divine. Divine's, like, with an S on it, but it's French, so I think you just say Divine. Um, Off the year 2016. Um directed by Huda Benyamina. Uh, so 
This film is an interesting one. It's very like, I, I could see where you could make some comparisons to things like uh, Len, if you've seen that. I know you've seen that, Milsa, so. Oh, I love that movie. As in, it's kind of like, it, it seems like um, unfair to call it like the girl version of that. But it's similar mm. in the sense that it's sort of like very socialist and like is set in the same place. It's set in the banlieue of uh, Paris. So the outskirts of Paris, specifically the, the Romani community. Um, so, but yes, other than that, it's not like, I mean, yeah, you can draw a lot of similarities with Len, but we'll leave it at that <laughs> because we're not talking about that. We're talking about Devine. Um, so yeah, the plot is, um, essentially, it's about this young girl uh, called Dunia who lives in this very, like, poor community in the outskirts of Paris. And um, so she kind of has very few prospects in terms of what she can do. So at school she is taught, um, they're basically given lessons in becoming, like, a secretary. So they just kind of prepare them for, like, you know, this is the kind of work that, you'll only really be able to achieve to like make money and sort of like escape your um financial situation and stuff um and but Dunia is way more like she's very like ballsy she's very confident she's like um she's an incredible main character I think like if you watch it for anything you watch it for this girl um Ulaya Amam I'm gonna say it wrong Ulaya Amamra so she's incredible. I think she was a teenager at the time. I feel like she was like 15 or 16. Um, so anyway, it's about her and her best friend, Maimuna, and they basically like shoplift and like sell things on to their friends to like make money. They basically hustle. They're like about being their own bosses, like making money through like mm. stealing things rather than like doing the boring like she has these lessons in being a secretary and she just answers back at teacher all the time and they're like all about you know the customer is always right you have to be polite and she's like well what if they're not like can't I just <laughs> you love to yeah can't I just swear <laughs> at them and stuff and the teachers are like uh, no um so so instead she um sees this, this woman called Rebecca this older woman called Rebecca who is like the leader of a gang um uh and so basically like Dunia and Maimuna like see Rebecca like running drugs and she's got this really like lavish lifestyle because obviously she makes tons of money for it so she can afford like nice clothes like trip to Thailand like all these sort of flashy things that the girls are like why would I sit in school and learn how to be a secretary when I can do this and earn like instant cash um so basically the story is is then the, the two girls getting involved with the gang um and obviously things aren't as straightforward as they seem because they do start making a lot of money and there's like it's one of these things where it's like there's these scenes of them like running around like buying expensive things and it's like you kind of want to be there you're like this looks like so much fun and like there's like so much freedom in it but then obviously it, things aren't going to end happily in the sense that they then start to get in trouble and things sort of start to catch up with them so it does have a really it does have quite a devastating ending which I wasn't prepared for I didn't know what happened mm. obviously I'm not going to say what happens uh, but be prepared it is a sad ending um when obviously kind of the consequences of the gangs and the people that they then kind of double cross and upset and things get very intense uh, at the end um but it's just like such a testament to like the strength of these women and like the way that they just decide that they're not going to do what has been sort of laid out for them and they're just going to kind of make their make their own means make their own way in the world which obviously does have these consequences and it doesn't leave you thinking like yeah I'm gonna go join a gang and that's how I'm gonna make my way in life um but it does open your eyes to the way that you know that in a sense isn't their only option but they're driven to it in the sense that they're so excluded from a set like the the working world in the sense of like she's not really going to become a secretary because that's not the kind of work that she wants to do but she should have more choices than that um so it's yeah. very much um a, a social I mean it's quite I would say it's a lot more like probably dramatized than something like Lehen is so it's maybe not quite social realist and that it is very I mean it's by no means fantasy like these things could definitely happen in real life but it is quite like um, especially at the ending, it is very dramatic and very, like, high, high, highly emotional and stuff. Um, but I think it's a very, like, important watch. Uh, and, yeah, I watched this one at uni, but we just watched it on Netflix, which is funny. So, obviously, I do 
encourage you to go and watch it. It's great, um, if very sad. Um, but it's also really enjoyable. It's really funny, like, how, like, kind of spunky she is and how she just stands up to absolutely everyone. And there's this amazing line when they go to speak to Rebecca to ask to, like, join her gang. And at first she's like, no, like, you're just kids. Why would I speak to you? Like, you think you're hard. Like, you can't just join my gang. Um, <laughs> you think you're literally. hard. <laughs> and then Dunia, like, stands up to her or something. And then Rebecca is like, oh, you've got clit. I like you. So she says that instead of, like, you've got balls. So it's very much like oh, a... amazing. Even though, obviously, it's very dangerous and I wouldn't advise you to go and join a gang. It's like it's cool to see something that's so sort of female-led and mm. there are men involved, but Rebecca is like the leader and she's she's pretty badass. Um, so yeah, I am very enthusiastic about that film. It's um, it's one that I'm not sure I'd watch again in a hurry because of how sad it is. Um, mm-hmm. It's quite an in- intense experience, but it is definitely a roller coaster in terms of how much you enjoy it and laugh at it and feel inspired by it versus also how upsetting and like, thought-provoking it is. So yeah, amazing. Um, also, just to our listeners, I'll be putting a list of every film we mention in the show notes. Yes. So you'll have like a definitive list of what you need to watch. Yeah. Directed by women this year. Yes. Um, so that'll be on there. That sounds sick. I definitely need to seek that one out on Netflix and watch it. Um, okay, so my first pick. So we picked three each for this episode, and then we've also got um, some great recommendations from our listeners, which we'll talk about at the end. But my first pick... Oh my god, wait, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but I've just read... I just went on the Wikipedia, and the girl who plays the main character is the younger sister of the director. Which is really cool. I didn't realise that until I've literally just looked at it now. Um, But they have different surnames, so I didn't put two and two together, but they're sisters, Mm -hmm. which is cute. Sorry. Okay. Um, You will be. (laughs) (laughs) So my first pick is directed by Maggie Carey. And it stars the one and only Aubrey Plaza. And that film is The To-Do List from 2013. Um, I do not advise pirating movies, but I will say that this is like, was my peak Tumblr girl. I was like 15, pirated it through like some dodgy Tumblr. I think I did too, I'm not going to lie. adored it. I think it was really hard to find. I don't think it got like a wide release like in the UK or anything at all. Features the iconic line, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle, (laughs) which is the truth and I need it on a t-shirt. But basically Aubrey Plaza stars as a high school graduate who's going into college and she realises that there's a lot of experiences she would like to partake in before she begins that new stage of her life and those experiences include sexual ones. So she's like super organised, she's a valedictorian, she aced every class and everyone knows her as kind of like not necessarily the loner, but kind of the uptight, maybe too academic-minded kind of girl. If you've ever seen Gilmore Girls, she's very much Paris Geller <laughs> um, in this scenario. And so she's so organised to the extent where she makes a binder, covers it in stickers and glitter, and makes a spreadsheet kind of thing in the binder of every sexual experience she needs to try before college. And she doesn't know what any of them are, so she just like Googles, and you see her write down this list, and it's like, tea bag, blowjob. 69 and she just like asks her friends okay like so I need to tick all these off before college and she just goes around any random guy and is like do you want to do this with me I need to tick it off my list (laughs) and it is so like epic and vulgar in the best possible way getting to see girls be this like gross and open about it and she has no connection to any of these men at all. She, she just, like, uses them to take the thing off her <laughs> list and then dumps them. And it's incredible. It's also hilarious. It's got a great, great cast. Um, Alia Shawcat's in it, I think. Is it Alia Shawcat? I don't remember, actually. And there's two actresses that look like Alia Shawcat. Oh, I know who I'm you mean. Alana Glazer. Yes. No, wait. She's, no, they, they look no, no, alike, there's another one. I'm sure it's Alia Shawcat. I'm going to check anyway. But there's definitely another one that looks like Ali Shortcut. But it's been compared to, like, Superbad and stuff like that. And Bill Hader's in it, for any of you Bill Hader fans out there, because I know there's a lot of you right now. Um, let me just check. Yeah, it's Ali Shortcut. Yes, I was right. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, like, a lot of fun. Actually, Bill Hader looks really young in it, and I think he's the one, he's one of the guys she, like, does a thing with. <laughs> Um, so there's that. <laughs> I've actually just checked the um the the tagline of the poster says she's going from straight A's to getting her first F, <laughs> which is amazing. It could have also said her first D. Oh, that would have been great too. 
Um, but you know, it's not strictly men, right? I'm pretty sure like she's just taking it off with anyone. But does she um, have women in it? I feel like I would remember I don't that. No. Oh yeah, and her like number one crush in the film is called Rusty Waters. Disgusting. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's just really cool getting to see girls be gross about sex on screen all the time. So I would highly recommend that. And also I think it's one of my favourite Aubrey Plaza performances in general. Like I think she really nails this. Yes. Because like she plays a, a really unlikable girl, but you like her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're still rooting for her, even though yeah. you, she pisses you off a lot. Um, so yeah. That was my first pick. I don't know if it's on Netflix. Uh, I'm pretty sure it isn't. Probably isn't on Amazon Prime. You probably will have to pirate it, but maybe check if you can buy the DVD super cheap. Because <laughs> unfortunately, it's not on any streaming services that I'm aware of. It says of, you but can it's rent really it on worth YouTube. Seeking out. For £2.50. There you go. Is it £2.50 on YouTube? Yeah. It's so, so worth it. Are you like, you're like the guy on Pointless who like checks yeah. things. You're just going to check it. It's also where you on can Amazon, it. not Prime, but you can rent it for three forty nine. but YouTube is cheaper, so. Or you can buy it on Amazon for £7. It's worth £7, honestly. I might buy it right after this. As you should. (laughs) Okay, so what's your next pick? Um, So my next film, uh, I feel like, is less... um, I don't know if it's more or less obscure than the previous one. It's an American film, so perhaps it's less obscure than a French film. Um, But... I would say I don't know many people that saw it because I don't actually know if it came out in the UK. I saw it at BFI Flair in 2017. Um, That was my first BFI Flair. I think I didn't go as... I mean, I wasn't writing for Screen Queens at that time or anything, so I didn't go as press. I think I just bought a ticket to, like, one or two things. And Mm -hmm. so I went to this because it stars Jenna Malone and Riley Keough, two people that I love because I had a massive crush on Jenna Malone in The Hunger Games because, like, who didn't? (laughs) Um, And I don't think I'd really seen anything with Riley Keough in it at the time. Obviously, she's in, like, American Honey and stuff, but I hadn't seen that um, at that point. I think that was the first time I saw her in anything. Yeah, I feel like she may have been in other stuff that I don't know about, but I feel like that might have been her sort of big exposure thing. Yeah. I don't know. But it came out the same year. It came out 2016. And uh, it's by So Young Kim, a Korean-American director. And it also, again, there's, like, relations going on. So, like, the sisters in the, the other, in Daveen, um, the film stars So Young Kim's own daughter, uh, who was, like, I think she's, like, two in it or something. Because, basically, uh, the story is of these two friends from college uh, reconnecting after like a long time. So Riley Keough's character, Sarah, is uh, a mum. So her child is um, So Young Kim's child because her husband is Korean. And basically her husband is very much absent. Like he he works a lot uh, away from home. He travels a lot and kind of doesn't, like they you see them like talking over Skype and stuff, but it's very apparent that she's sort of struggling with almost being a single mum, like as in all of her responsibility is to like look after the the daughter. The daughter is so cute. Um, but it's obviously like weighing on her a lot. She feels very isolated because they live in this lovely house, but it's sort of like quite rural. Um, so she doesn't really have many friends or anything. So she kind of she gets back in contact with her friend from college, uh, Mindy, played by Jenna Malone, and they go on a bit of a spontaneous road trip. Like, they've not seen each other in probably, like, ten years. I don't really know how long the uh, the time is. But they go on this road trip, and it's very, like, intimate. They just reconnect and, like, remember their sort of times in college, and you get the sense that there's a lot of, like, sort of history between them. And on the road trip, they end up sleeping together um, when they're sort of, like remembering their past relationship I can't remember if it says that they were like together in college or whether they just like anyway they end up sleeping together on the road trip um but then Sarah kind of doesn't like she just kind of says like oh it was a heat of the moment thing it didn't like mean anything so she basically they go home she goes back to her life Mindy goes back off to her life um and then the film fast forwards like three years when Mindy invites Sarah to her wedding so she's now with the man that she's getting married to um and so Sarah goes to the wedding and they reconnect and then they talk about the past and then they like again it has a really sad ending don't watch this if you want to feel uplifted like I'm not gonna lie it's probably one of the most (laughs) depressing films I've ever seen like it's so sad like I watched it at the cinema and I walked home and I think I just sat in my room and like looked at the wall for like an hour because it was so sad 
And I was just like, I don't know if I was already just having a day, but like, it just made me just think for so long. Like, it is, it is really, really sad in the sense that, well, it's not sad as in that like nothing awful happens to them. It's just not the ending that you would want. And it's very much about like yeah. them having this really intense, like intimate relationship, but then like just letting it go. I don't know. It's so, it's infuriating if you do want them to be together, but it's also just a very touching film I found about like two people's connection and the way they relate to each other and how like even though so much time has passed between them like it doesn't change like the way that they feel about each other and it's just it's so beautiful it's really like I would say it's very like reserved and like gentle like nothing super dramatic happens as opposed to the previous film like it's very quiet um but it's just so beautiful and like I would say despite how sad it is and um, it's not really going to leave you feeling inspired or um, happy or like optimistic this is really not selling it but like I would say if you if you just want to like indulge your sad alone feelings um, then I would watch it <laughs> I think I, I would watch it again even though it's sad um, I just think yeah it's very like considerate and I don't know it just it just really really moved me even if it was in a really sad way I would say it's one of those films that isn't just sad for the sake of it. Like, there's a lot of, like, lesbian films that end horribly for no reason. And I'm just like, well, that was disappointing and I wanted something, like, positive. But this is one that I still loved and would still watch again despite that because I feel like everything else is done so beautifully and it explores the characters in a really, like, meaningful way that I would still watch it and I would still recommend it yeah. to others. Lovely. Oh, I like the sound of that, even though it's sad. Yeah, and you can rent it on YouTube for £2.50. So I would do Perfect. that. Perfect. There's, like, I have a film that I always watch when I want to cry, and that's The Impossible. Oh, God. Have you seen it? That's horrific. That's not just, like, I would watch that when I'm sad. That's fully, like, gave me nightmares. I saw it in the cinema. Oh, God. No, I just... You know that scene where Hugh McGregor gets a phone and tries to yeah. call his mom? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's like a really cathartic tears releasing. No, the scene when they like reunite. I need films like that on my list. Um, okay, so my next pick is a film from the 90s that a lot of you might have watched growing up. I certainly watched it on the TV a lot growing up. But hey, you might have forgotten about it or you might want to revisit it. And I've actually, it came to mind because a trailer was released for a new adaptation of this and it is The Secret Garden. Um, so it's based on the book by uh, Francis Hodgson Burnett. Um, it's been made into a lot of films, including even a silent film in 1920. And um, so they've got a new adaptation coming out with Colin Firth and Julie Walters, which looks really interesting. I'm definitely staying open-minded about it, but the adaptation that I love and remember from my childhood is by the director, whose name I'm going to definitely F up, so I apologise. It's Agnieszka Holland, I think is how you pronounce it. But that is 1993 version. And I have just really, really fond memories of watching this a lot on the TV. And I remember it just being so dark. Um, so it's such like a magical story at first, like she finds a rusty old key in a beautiful secret garden. But it is like a really dark story at its core, um, but ends up, you know, being really lovely and parents realising that they've got to let their kids be kids and they can't protect them from everything, even though they want to. And it just fills me with lots of joy and nostalgia. And I want all the cute little dresses that little girls wear in the little girls used to wear such cute outfits in like what the victorian times that i really really want yeah um so for anyone who doesn't know the secret garden it basically tells a story of this little girl who's orphaned and she's sent to um a foster home i think or it might be a distant relative i think it is a a distant uncle or something um and he's very rich and he's very cold and he basically tells her she can't leave her room he doesn't really want her there but he has to have her there and of course she's a rebellious little girl and she leaves her room and she finds a rusty old key and a stunning garden hidden behind the house and also she finds a little boy who's bedridden in the house who she didn't know was there and um you know she bonds with the kid takes him out to the garden and gets into lots of trouble and there's a lot of kind of interesting things that get revealed about the family and its history throughout so I won't spoil those but it is like really classic BBC adaptation kind of magic goodness yeah. and I didn't even know it was directed by a woman till I started doing my research for this episode no, I wouldn't have which is really that, cool but it's bringing back a lot of memories oh. I know I'm literally getting a bit like I really want to watch it it reminds me of films like The Little Princess yeah. and things like that so oh God. I would highly recommend that you watch this one that upset me so much <laughs> 
I know, but it's so good. It's very much in the same vein as yeah. that. If you like those kind of she's just stories. like Papa, so, yeah. and he's like Sarah, <laughs> and you're just like ah, <laughs> just ah. sobbing. There's literally the same mood as this one. So yeah, The Secret Garden, directed by um, again Agnieszka Holland, 1993. Seek it out. Hey Megan, can we watch it on YouTube? The Secret Garden. Um... I think the whole film is on YouTube for free. Like someone's just uploaded oh, the entire whoops. movie. Um. <laughs> It's on, oh no, that's The Garden. That's a different oh. film. Um, <laughs> you can watch, um, I don't know if it is available anywhere. Maybe you will have to. <laughs> yeah, someone's it. uploaded the whole film on YouTube, I'm fully sure. Um, yeah. You know, don't pirate, but if someone's already pirated for you, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, you're not committing the crime, right? <laughs> exactly. You wouldn't steal a car. <laughs> you wouldn't steal a handbag. <laughs> They're going to come for you. Don't do it. <laughs> okay, so what is your third and final right, pick? My last film is probably the most obscure. Um, I would be surprised if you have seen it, but kudos to you if you have seen it, because I watched it in my <laughs> feminist film theory class. Uh, so it's one that I'd never heard of before. Ooh. I'd never heard of the filmmaker even, but it's considered like a very like seminal piece of like... Um, women's filmmaking uh in it was preserved by the national film registry for its like cultural significance wow. uh, it's from 1990 it is sink or swim by sue friedrich it's i would guess technically a short film because it's only 48 minutes long so it's just under an hour long so i guess i don't know i feel like anything under an hour is technically a short film but it's still like you know it's not like five minutes like it's still uh yeah considerable runtime I don't know uh so you can rent it on YouTube for £1.49 I think because it's short so if you don't spend £1.50 watching it I would be <laughs> I'll give you £1.50 if you go and watch this film I will literally then I will PayPal you £1.50 <laughs> to go and rent this film um so yeah it's short and it's uh it's experimental um it's I would say like um and we kind of I'm trying to remember now we kind of studied it in the context of like different kinds of women's cinema and what kind of forms those take especially like experimental film cinema so I say this is like an example of very like anecdotal cinema like it's sort of like a memoir um in that it's autobiographical um but in a very experimental sense like it's not just her explaining her it's about her childhood basically and it is divided into 26 sort of short stories um and they are alphabetical in the sense that each one has a, a title and oh, cool. the title like begins with a letter going from z and ending with a which i was dumb and didn't realize at the time until afterwards yeah. like when my teacher was like so you see how it went from z to a and i was like no <laughs> um but so like the first clip is called like zygote and it's about like birth and then it's sort of about her then growing up and it's narrated by uh, a little girl and each of the stories is like they're not always like connected to each other or like not in a very obvious way like they don't tell a very um sort of cohesive narrative it's like some of them are her talking about like dreams that she had or it's very much about her dad as well um her quite absent father who like prioritized his work uh, over his like relationship with his daughter and the impact that that had on her and also because it's narrated by a little girl uh, it's very much like a child's perspective on the world and the the images that accompany the stories some of them are like I think some of them is home video and some of it is like reconstruction or just random images if there isn't anything like available so sometimes the images like contrast what's being said um, which sometimes shows you like how a child's perspective on the world like isn't like is prettier than it actually is in real life or the other way around um yeah so it's really like moving it because it is quite experimental it's maybe harder to get into than like a traditional narrative film but because it's quite short I would say it's still like an easy one to watch and it is easy to follow in the sense that it's just sort of this child like telling you stories um and the title sink or swim like comes from an anecdote about her father explaining to her how to swim like telling her how to swim and then just pushing her in the water um <laughs> so it kind of explains her dad's approach to parenting in that he thinks that he's quite like scientific and analytical like he can just explain things to her and then she'll know how to do them rather than you know teaching her how to swim like holding her in the water like demonstrating so it kind of shows how uninvolved he is um so yeah um 
it's really nice it's in black and white the images are very like striking and I think it sort of it definitely made me think about it for a long time afterwards um and in the context of the class it was really really interesting as well to discuss the sort of types of women's filmmaking and like what does that mean like when we say women's cinema like what does that actually mean uh, and whether it dictates the form or the style or whether it is actually just it's it's not a genre like women can make any kind of film they want um but whether there are sort of like distinct patterns to women's cinema and things like that so yeah I would so say definitely check it out mm. And are you going to pay by me one thing? I will right? give you one. It's actually £1.49, <laughs> so I'll pay for you £1.49. Bargain. <laughs> okay, uh, my final pick is The Falling by Carol Morley. Um, I have a special connection with this movie, <laughs> purely because Carol Morley is from Stockport. Yes, and I'm from Stockport. Represent. And she makes me feel like I can get out of my shitty town <laughs> and do something with my life. And she followed me on Twitter and I fully DM'd her like, I just want to say both being from Stockport and living on the 192 bus to try and get out of Stockport every day. It means a lot to me. <laughs> um, Did she reply? But basically this is... Um, no. Oh, but she follows us and Screen Kids, yeah? which is cool. Oh, sick. I yeah, not yeah. Thank you, Carol, if cool you're listening. One. Thank you, Carol. If you ever listen to this, <laughs> thank you. We love you. She's honestly such an inspiration. Um, she's written some amazing uh, pieces of work. She did um, Dreams of a Life as well. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, that no, cool. I think The Falling is the only one of her films that I've seen. And she did that Out of Blue, starring Patricia Clarkson last uh, year. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Um, but The Falling is the only one of hers that I, I have actually... I've, no, I've seen Dreams of Life and I've seen The Falling. But The Falling was the first film I ever saw on my own in a cinema. Um, which gives me some really distinct memories. Yeah. I saw it, uh, so it was 2015, I think, so I was in my second year of college, and I was literally just going past the cinema on the bus on the way home from college, and I was like, uh, I've got nothing to do tonight, I'm going to get off here and see what's on. Yeah. And I saw that Maisie Williams was in it, and I was obsessed with Game of Thrones, so I was like, <laughs> obviously I'm just going to see it, because Maisie Williams yeah. is in it. Um, I don't actually remember what so the first good. film I saw alone in the cinema. It was probably after I went to uni. Do you think? Yeah. After this, I literally only go to the cinema. <laughs> it was so weird because I came out though, and the first thing I did was call people to talk about the film. <laughs> I called up my friend Harrison, and I was like, "I've just seen this film that I really want to talk to you about." Okay, sit down, relax. And then I just like word vomited <laughs> everything I thought, and then I hung up on him. And then I called my friend Cora, and I did the exact same thing, and I was just talking about it. Um, so I think it's a testament to you know when you leave a film and you want to talk about it with someone. It's yeah. I suppose that's why we have Twitter now. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the film set in an all-girls school. I can't remember if it's an all-girls, like, religious, like, Catholic school, but it was definitely all-girls. Um, so it's written and directed by Cara Morley, and it kind of tells the story of... Um... Oh, also, actually, this was, for me, this was Florence Pugh's, like, film debut. This was the first film she was ever in. She did Lady Macbeth right after this, and for a lot of people, Lady Macbeth is her breakout role, but The Falling is Florence Pugh's breakout role, in my opinion, if you've seen it. Um... I remember I watched an interview where Florence said, so she was 17 when they did this and 19 when they did Lady Macbeth. And she said she was really sweaty and had just come straight from school and walked into the audition for this film. Um, and she got it like on the spot. But she plays like um, the cool friend of Maisie Williams and Maisie Williams' character Lydia really looks up to her. Um, and a lot of shit goes down at the beginning, including Florence Pugh's character like sleeping with Maisie Williams' brother and um, some kind of like drama. But it, there's a really interesting friendship that's portrayed between the two of them that's kind of overtly intimate in an uncomfortable way, but also a really familiar way. I it to be um, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I think it it could be. You know, there's subtext. Yeah. There's a lot of subtext. <laughs> it is if you there's want a lot it to of really... be. <laughs> yeah, it's gay if you want it to be, Meg. Um, but there's a lot of interesting subtext surrounding the film and its female friendships and hysteria and witchcraft and all sorts of stuff like that. And um, Lydia's mother, played by Maxine Peake, there's a lot of interesting subtext to be found there. There's just a lot of underlying things in the film that I think is really open to interpretation, which is interesting. And basically the main plot is that um, this epidemic of girls fainting at school is kind of set off by Florence Pugh's character. She faints at school and then the next day Lydia faints and then all the girls stop fainting and they it happens in really interesting dramatic ways where they'll like take their time getting to the floor and they'll like <laughs> look like witches and like fairies and just like faint until everyone in the room has fainted and then the female teachers start fainting and it just becomes this really weird 
um, hysterical feminine epidemic and it's I still have no idea what it's about but I love that for it <laughs> you know what I mean yeah it's so hard to explain but um yeah it's intimate and visceral and strange and magical and it's a really interesting experience and I would totally recommend that you watch it it's not on Netflix it's not on Amazon Prime hey Meg is it on YouTube um uh, it doesn't appear to be um but okay I'm gonna oh it keeps giving me things that are the wrong thing like it's like you can watch the fall (laughs) on Amazon Prime and I'm like well that's not what I asked is it wait watch the falling oh no you can't it's just the trailer um yeah Uh. so this might be one you have to find on dvd somewhere or do unspeakable things i think Um, i got it on blu-ray from amazon for like five pounds well then just go around to milton's house that's not too bad and watch it just come over we'll have a viewing party um i'm taking a look now you can get it on amazon prime video you can rent it for 199 oh cool um or the dvd is literally three quid so that's not bad um but yeah florence Pugh is incredible in it and she sings in it yeah for all of you people who like Florence Pugh's beautiful singing voice and Maisie Williams I think really just fucking goes for it here this was her first role outside of Game of Thrones and she just fucking went for it her she has like a face-off with her mum Maxine Peake and it's so intense Um, and it's a really small budget and it's all one location and some really interesting performances from the young women in it because none of them are like particularly big recognizable faces um but yeah would recommend. Yeah. I think I've always found something really like captivating about like films set in boarding schools as well. I always yes, wanted to go to definitely. a boarding. I mean, I know it's not a boarding school in this case, but do you know what I mean? It has that same kind of atmosphere, isn't it? It like largely takes yeah. place inside the school. Like whenever I read things like Mallory Towers when I was little, I thought it was like the coolest thing ever <laughs> to go to like an all girls school. Um, and it it reminds me. It's a little bit similar to like I almost another film I almost picked but then didn't because I thought it might be a bit too hard to find because I watched it at uni is Mansion in Uniform and I don't know if I've ever spoken about it before on this podcast but it's like a German film and it takes place in an all girls boarding school and it's from like nineteen thirty one or something and it's like the first fir- well, I don't know if it is the first film but like the first sort of recognized like lesbian film because the girls are all like obsessed with this one teacher and then the main character like literally like really falls in love with the teacher and it's very like it's not even just subtext it's literally just like they're in love and it's kind of weird because she's supposed to be like 13 but in the film the actors are like the same age and it's just it is really bizarre but also it's like the 30s so you kind of like is what it is um but that is also a really cool film that if you can see it it might be on youtube i don't know if it'll have subtitles um but that is a really cool film but yeah something about like all girls schools I know that they're not all that like I know that you know I I have friends that have been to all girls schools and are like it's definitely not as like exciting as it (laughs) sounds but I just always thought that that'd be really cool and having like the the fancy uniform and stuff well in this one there's they kind of um definitely explore the kind of underlying sexualness of yeah. it yeah so like when you put um, all these girls together in one building yeah like it is like really palpable like they all want to experiment but they're not sure how do you know what I mean yeah. um, and also I just want to read right so I went on Amazon to check if you could obviously watch it and I scrolled down and there's a review that I'm gonna read out and it's one star <laughs> and if this doesn't make you want to watch the film then I don't know what will and this is probably a dude um this guy said it's about a bunch of annoying teenage girls doing weird stuff so the whole film is practically a waste of time. Stay away. I mean, if you like watching a bunch of girls doing weird stuff, I mean... Who wouldn't? Come on. Exactly. If it made that That's guy exactly angry, what we want I want to see. see it. I mean, I have seen it, but, like, if it makes a man angry, I want to know what <laughs> Then, of is. course, I want to watch it. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of great reviews as well, like, atmosphere, and there's this kind of feeling of loss that's happening throughout the film that you're trying to figure out where it's coming from she just really gets the atmosphere right it's so creepy but also so inviting yeah that's the thing it's one of those things that just like gets under your skin you don't really know why yeah but it's not like a thriller but I remember the first time I watched it I didn't even clock onto one big plot point that was revealed at the end and then I like two years later I watched it again I was like what the fuck yeah (laughs) like how did I miss that and it's so dark it just jumped out at me and I'm like so I just so naive and innocent then that I just didn't even know what was being shown to me. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, everyone watch The Falling. Um, okay. Shh. So those are our three picks for 
films by women that you should see that maybe aren't the most like well known and they'll be in the show notes below um so we also do have some listeners thoughts about films by women that you should definitely see hi i'm april and i'm steph we're the host of the thirst a pop culture podcast that examines tv film music books celebrity culture and pretty much anything in between each episode we pick our favorite pop culture news to discuss the important stuff, like who made the Forbes Richest Celebrity list and whether Jake Gyllenhaal has a secret Instagram for his cat. We also review the things we've been loving or hating recently, such as the newest Netflix miniseries or the latest instalment in a certain world-dominating comic book universe. And we always make room for a deep dive into the pop culture that defines all of us, whether that's our favourite high school movies, most memorable music videos or the life-defining Hollywood kisses. There's also a lot of room for thirsty takes on extremely attractive celebrities. A lot. Listener participation is advised. You can download our episodes from wherever you listen to your podcast. iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify included. And make sure you follow us on Twitter at The Thirst, Instagram at The Thirst Pod and by searching The Thirst on Facebook. Emily Mascal said Kingdom of Us, Skate Kitchen, Hail Satan, Vada by Agnes and The Breadwinner. A lot of those are really recent as well, yeah. so they should be easy to find. Um, have you seen any of those? I've seen Skate Kitchen and Vada by Agnes. I saw them both at the cinema. Um, but the other two, other three I have not seen. I remember seeing a lot about The Breadwinner though. Was it at LFF last year or something? Yeah, I think I heard I feel a lot like, about it. It's an animation, it isn't it? Was it nominated for an Oscar? I feel like it was. Or it yeah, was like it in... It was contending for one. But yeah, I remember there being a lot of hype around it and wanting to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I saw Skate Kitchen and Hail Satan. Would definitely recommend the both of them. Um, Hail Satan's hilarious. And it's like shows a really unjudgmental kind of... Uh, I wouldn't say like tender, but kind of thoughtful look at Satanism. And you'll come away <laughs> wanting to be a Satanist. A thoughtful look I will promise Satanism. you that. Literally, I will place bets with you that you will come out of that film wanting to be a Satanist. <laughs> Um, so thank you, Emily, for the fantastic recommendations. Uh, do you want to read some? Yeah, more? Lee Nostromo said, uh, well, at Lee underscore Nostromo, um, said <laughs> Red Road, Aniara, which I've not seen, Wiener, Mustang, Nancy, Blew My Mind, Blue is in the colour blue, uh, Two Days in Paris, Two Days in New York, I assume maybe those films are related, um, The Fits, <laughs> which I really wanted to see um, but didn't, uh, Goodbye First Love and The Law. I've heard of two of those movies, so well done for being obscure. Yeah, you got that right. That's a that's a good selection. <laughs> and there's some crossover as well with um Megan Christopher, who said she also said Red Road, which is an Andrea Arnold film. Um, so like double recommendation there. Uh, she also said Water Lilies by Celine Sciamma and Girl Trash All Night Long. Um, these two really got some great obscure movies. So yeah, there's some crossover there, so clearly worth seeking out. Um, I've not heard of a lot of those, so they'll definitely be going on my list. Yeah. Um, I have um, I remember hearing about Nancy. I feel like when I was at SIF, that was there. Mm-hmm. I've definitely heard of Mustang. It's one that I wanted to see for ages. And The Fits. Chloe, editor at Screen Greens, said, uh, maybe not my favourites, but definitely ones I rarely see people talking about. And she cites girls asleep, sleeping with other people, Tomboy, Goodnight Mommy, Evolution, Electric Children, and Monument. I remember when I was on Tumblr, Electric Children was posted about a lot, but I just never got around to seeing it. I don't it. think I've ever heard really of interesting. it. It's electric with like a K at the end as yeah. well, so it's like edgy. <laughs> uh, I've heard of Tomboy. I definitely want to watch that. Um, it's a French film, I think. Um, oh, I just like Google Tomboy. Oh, because yeah, it's by Celine <laughs> Siama, so... Same as um, Girlhood and Portrait of a Lady and stuff, so we stand. I would definitely like to see that. I've never really heard of any of the others, but I feel like Chloe watches a lot of horror films and I don't, so I don't think our recommendations (laughs) ever tend to cross over. Um, Liv also said Ruby Sparks, Step, and Blinded by the Light. And I will also vouch for Ruby Sparks because I absolutely adore that And Battle of the Sexes. Yeah. Did you see Ruby Sparks with Zoe Kazan? No, but I love Battle of oh, Sexes. Megan, you have to watch it. It's so good. Um, yeah, I just, I think about that movie a lot, honestly. 
Do you know the plot? No, I've literally never heard of it. I mean, I feel like I have oh, heard yeah. of it, but like I don't know what it's about. Okay, so Zoe Kazan wrote it and starred in it with her boyfriend, Paul Dana. Uh, we love a supportive partner. <laughs> uh, so he stars in it as this guy who basically can't get a girlfriend, and he's like a struggling writer, and he starts writing a book called Ruby Sparks, and he does it on this typewriter. It's not like made out to be this like, ooh, magic typewriter. It's very much kind of... Have you seen, if it's, I've kind of compared it to her in yeah. the kind of um, mood of the film. It's not like fantastical or anything. It's it's very much just like a cool like dr- drama, maybe a bit, a bit of a comedy. Um, and he starts writing this new book and the girl in the book, Ruby Sparks, just appears out of nowhere and she's in, suddenly in his kitchen and she's like, hey babe, what do you want for tea? And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, and that's Zoe Kazan's character. And he figures out that anything he writes... She, she kind of does but it's not dark in a way that like he makes her do things yeah. do you know what I mean it's very much like oh yeah they were so in love their relationship was going really well she got with permission at work he did this that and the other and the relationship's going really good to the point where he puts away the typewriter and he just kind of enjoys yeah. it but then you know any relationship encounters problems and arguments and when that happens he kind of turns to the writing yeah. again it's a bit like about time problems. when he just does everything yes, over and over again he just yeah, he just tries to fix his problems in ways that he shouldn't to the point where she's not her own person anymore. And she also kind of, like, figures it out as well. Um, and it's really interesting because you never quite know if she's real or if she did actually come out of the typewriter. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it is, it's really cool and really well written. Written by a woman, co-directed by a woman. And I think it was Zoe Kazan's first screenplay. Oh, nice. Um, so that's definitely worth seeking out. I absolutely adore Zoe Kazan. It's, she's such a brilliant writer. Um, and I'd love to see her direct one day as well, one of her own projects. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those are some fantastic recommendations. Thank you all for sending those in. So the upcoming female directed films that we're excited about, uh, mine, one of mine, I mean, there are a few. I mean, I forgot them all. I had to look them up before this podcast. <laughs> um, but one of mine is definitely Charlie's Angels, which is kind of funny considering I've never seen any of the previous Charlie's Angels. Wait, you've never seen Charlie's Angels? No. Megan, what the I'm fuck? I'm sorry. Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and Lucy Liu at like peak action hero. What I mean, Look, I'm sorry. Megan, you have to watch. But then it. they it's remade it and they put Kristen women. Stewart in it, so I'm interested. Uh, no, but Naomi Scott's in it, so I'm interested. <laughs> True. No, but please watch the original before you watch that. Oh my god, because you don't even know like who Charlie is. No, Megan, I don't need to know who Charlie is. <laughs> You need to know who Charlie is. I want to see the angels. Because the phone rings and they're like, hey, Charlie. And they all say it at the same time and it's really cute. <laughs> and we never see his face. And he's like the guy and he's like, hello, angels. <laughs> and he like gives them his, their mission. <laughs> it's so great. Please watch it. Yes, I will. Sure watch it. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping this is going to be good because mm-hmm. I feel like, the, like, you know, reboots and stuff aren't always amazing. Not quite as good as the original. And it's a bit like, do we need a reboot? But I... I hope in this instance, I mean, having not seen the first one, I don't have like a particular attachment to it, so I'm not like. But you're gonna watch it before. You yeah, watch the but movie. I mean, in the sense that I'm not like, oh, how dare they remake it? Like, I'm excited yeah. about it because any Christmas Stewart content is good, in my opinion. Yeah. It just looks fun. It just looks like one of those really fun action movies yeah. with women spies, and I'm here for it, to be yeah. honest. I feel like there's a lot of room for them to royally fuck it up. Yeah. But I trust them. And Charlie's Angels is quite comedic. It is just a bit of a laugh, really. But the original with Drew Barrymore is just so iconic. Like, in the trailer for the new one, they actually, when they go into the closet, they you can see some of the outfits, the iconic outfits they wear in the original, yeah. such as the lederhosen, which we love. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm also equally excited for Charlie's Angels. It's going to be Oh, no, she didn't direct the third pitch perfect. She only produced it, so I am allowed to say that oh, it was Oh, I bad. stand corrected. <laughs> But, um, yeah, the third Pitch Perfect wasn't great, so maybe that's a good thing, that she didn't make it. <laughs> she abandoned ship. Well, not quite, but... <laughs> it's funny, because they actually jump off a ship in the third film. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, my choice for my most anticipated female-directed movie is Rowley on Brand, and everyone will be expecting this from me, but it's Birds of Prey, or The Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. And yes, that is the whole title, um I fucking love Harley Quinn she's like the one mainstay character in all the comic books I've read she's the first comic book I ever bought I have a freaking Harley Quinn action figure on my wall right now which I can see 
uh, I think she's such an interesting character and Margot Robbie really did her justice in a film that did not do her justice. Uh, and Birds of Prey is a really good chance for them to like change that. And it's directed by a woman, Kathy Yan. It's written by a woman, Christina Hodgson, who did Bumblebee. And Bumblebee was absolutely brilliant. I've not seen that. Did you, did you see Bumblebee with Hayley Steinfeld? No. You should watch it. You will cry. It's gorgeous. Um, yeah, that was amazing. And she, re- it's, she really got, like, the female character was nailed. Like, the young teenage protagonist. Like, don't give a shit kind of girl. Mm-hmm. I loved her. And she's a fantastic writer. Um, Margot Robbie's producing it it's like almost an all-female cast and the plot is literally about a girl gang defending a younger girl from like a crime boss so like it's literally about just girls coming together no there's one man and he's a bad guy well there's two men but one of them's like a crazy serial killer um so no one familiar with the plot uh the basically Black Mask played by Hugh McGregor who's a Gotham City crime boss uh, he has some jewels stolen by who steals the jewels? Let me check. It is Cassandra Kane, which is a fucking cool name. Um, so she's he's like hunting her down. So Harley gets her gang together to defend her, and her gang includes the Huntress, Black Canary, um, and also a detective Rene Montoya gets involved, played by Rosie Perez who is a lesbian Latina detective. We love that. You love to see it. Uh, so it's really exciting. And Harley Quinn, like, just in the new film, she looks fantastic. It's a, a f- woman's really in charge of the costume department. And I saw an interview where, what did she say? She was like, let me find it. Because I fully wrote a piece on it and I quoted this interview about, you know how everyone was talking about how the Harley Quinn costumes look actual, like something a woman would choose to wear herself? Yeah. But in the, obviously, in Suicide Squad, she was just in a pair of... I mean, knickers. I would wear that also. I mean, I would wear that also, <laughs> but you could tell it was directed by a man because there were actually more shots of her in the knickers than her face in the whole film. Oh, we love that. We hate to yeah. see it. So the quote from the interview is loading. I have it. Because um, obviously Margot executive produced this, so she had a lot more of a say in how the character got developed, especially alongside a female director. So they said, she said that the costume and the film will be less male gazy and costume designer Erin Benek added that that's what happens when you have a female producer, director and writer. Yes. Ooh. Yes, yeah. I feel like the entire time I was and watching the... Suicide Squad, I was just thinking about how much more I wanted Harley Quinn to be in it. So this sounds like I'm going to mm-hmm. enjoy it because it's only a film about her. Like, you just get rid of all the people that I didn't yes. care about in the first one. It's literally about her and her gal pals. Like, we, we love to see it. Um, and also, Hugh McGregor, I think, could be really good as a black mask. Um, he looks really fun. Uh, so there is a very short teaser that has been shared on the internet. Uh, they're really keeping it under wraps, but it's very exciting. And as we record this, a new poster got released as well, which is just gorgeous. What did you make of the teaser? Um, yeah, I thought it was... I mean, I don't know anything about the characters or like the comics, so... Given that it was literally just, like, flashes of each of the characters, I don't know who any of them are, mm. so it didn't really, like, tell me anything about it. Um, but yeah. I am very excited about it. Um, and, yeah, the fact that, you know, what you've told me about, like, the diversity of the characters and, like, um, obviously the context of the production, the fact that Margot Robbie is sort of so central in the making of it and Kathy Ann and mm. stuff, like, I'm just really excited for it and I really hope it's good because I think, like, having had, like, uh, Wonder Woman and... Captain Marvel and stuff like we're starting to see like yes women can make superhero films and they can be really good and really successful and really popular so like I can only hope for all of these things to succeed so that it becomes more normal Mm. um so yeah I just I really hope it's good um I think it will be yeah and I love how it looks a bit meta as well like she winks at the camera and stuff (laughs) when she was like I'm so sick of all these clowns and I was like wow it shade (laughs) like um if she could be a bit Deadpool-esque and actually like talk to the camera that would be really on brand for her like she fully does that in the comics she'll literally talk to the reader and be like there could be a scene where she's talking to a guy and she'll just like like turn to the reader and be like what the fuck is this guy chatting about like why are we listening to this guy yeah um it's very on brand for her to do that kind of thing so it'd be really cool to see that on screen and like you say about women making superhero films I did um, I little cheeky plug here. I wrote a piece for Heroes Direct on DC's Year of Women because the DC slate right now is literally all made by women, which is so exciting. So you've got Kathy Ann's Birds of Prey, um, Wonder Woman, 
uh, by obviously the sequel to Wonder Woman by Patty Jenkins and then Ava DuVernay helming the absolute behemoth which is New Gods uh, so that's really exciting if only Marvel would follow suit literally step it up step it up um, so yeah that's what we're excited for that's some films we'd recommend and it's good to be back yes thank you for listening is there anything else you want to plug or update before we go um I was really excited that Girls on Tops just released that Lulu Wang t-shirt. Oh, yes. And obviously the Farewell is currently or is about to come out. I guess it might be. The 20th, yeah. Okay, so... I think it'll be out by the time this is up. Yeah, so on a final note, go watch The Farewell because it's amazing. Go watch The Farewell. It's one of the greatest films of 2019, easily. It's just gorgeous. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Feel free to email us at sqpodcast at gmail.com. And follow us and talk to us on Twitter at SQ Podcast. And yeah. Hopefully, we'll see you you again sooner than last time. (laughs) (laughs) We will see you at the London Film Festival 2019. Thank you so much and goodbye.